Davinka Britson is going to do in the 1500. He has time to look behind him. 20 years of age, and he is on top of the world. For coming down for a maiden national crown, Cornwall is a champion. Belarus is what is worse, or has he? Has he got anything left? Belarus trying to get there. Kipchoge the junior is there. Belarus is trying to get to the line. Kenya wins it. Kipchoge takes. Vivian Chariot's turn, and what a proud moment for her and the Kenyans. The first woman from her nation to take the 5,000 meter title. Vivian Chariot in Greenland. On the outside, Ollie Hall of Australia comes. Jake Whiteman has just spent. It's going to be Chariot and Hall. Who's going to get it? It's going to be Australia. The gold. Amy Bunnage is one of Australia's most exciting and talented young runners. Amy is well known in the Australian running community after a stellar junior career. During these years, Amy won six Australian championships. Amy is perhaps best known for breaking the Australian under 20 3000 metre record when she clocked 8.51.90 at the 2023 Sydney Track Classic as a 17 year old. She finished third in that race behind Jessica Hull. The time she clocked that day is the 14th fastest all time by an Australian of any age. We caught up with Amy at a pivotal moment in her career. She has just kicked off a four year scholarship at Stanford University. And interestingly, she has just signed an NIL deal with On Running. We sat down with both Amy and her longtime friend who now works for On Running, Craig Mottram, to dive deep into the NIL deal and what it really means for Amy. Amy and Craig, it's lovely to have you here on Runners Tribe. Uh, Amy, where where are you at at the moment? I'm currently in Palo Alto, so where Stanford University is located in California. Nice, Craig. You're home in Melbourne, I, I presume. Not as um, not as fantastic as where Amy is, but yep, in Melbourne at the HQ, the headquarters for the new OAC Oceania team in Melbourne. Nice. Guys, we're here because I, I want to reach out. Amy, you've, you've just secured an NIL deal with On, on Running, uh, the emerging brand that most Aussies have heard about now because Ollie Hawes obviously kind of brought the brand to, to a lot of Australians' attention. Um, for those listeners who have absolutely no idea what an NIL deal is, can you please just run us through the basics as per how you see it? Um, yeah, so NIL stands for Name, Image and Likeness. And I guess it's a way to provide collegiate athletes with support while they're like over here studying. Um, it's something that previously hasn't been able to like happen. Um, and now, yeah, it provides support to a lot of athletes. Awesome. And, you know, with ON, is this deal kind of with ON USA or with ON Australia or are they, is it a company, I know with a lot of other big brands, you know, like the Australian division and the American division, it's just so separated. They never talk to each other. Is ON small enough that those two still speak to each other a lot because Craig's here, I'm assuming, I'm assuming so, but is it, is the deal with ON Australia or with ON USA or is it both? Um, I guess it's kind of both, but more through like ON Australia, just with like the visa situation and, yeah, being a student here in the US. Awesome. And how how did it come to pass, Amy? Um, did you did kind of on reach out to you, or did you reach out to to on, or was it through Craig, or how did all that how did all that kind of occur? Um, well, I guess I've known Craig for a long time now, nearly ten years. 
um, and just through a few different conversations, like the NIL um, deal possibility came about. And yeah, now we're here today and I've got an NIL deal with on and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to work with them. Awesome. So how did, how did you first meet Craig? Um, so Craig was the coach at the school I went to back in Melbourne. Um, we both started there in the same year. And then, yeah, he was the head coach of the cross country and track and field team, and which I was a part of. How was that? I wish I had Craig Mottram as my cross country coach as a kid, hey? We were actually speaking about Amy, not sorry to butt in, Sam. We were speaking about this not long ago, trying to figure out how long we'd actually known each other for. And I think it is actually 10 years, which is bloody terrifying because it's showing my age. But um, I think Amy started at, at Halebury College, which was a school um, in year seven. Um, and I remember her being only so high. And occasionally you get these pictures on your on your phone of Facebook messages or whatever else that come up, memories and stories. And it's always funny to watch Amy's progression over the last five, six, seven, eight, nine years to now. So, yeah, we've, we've certainly known each other for a long time. That's awesome. On a side note, Craig, are you still coaching cross-country? Absolutely, mate. That's yeah. what we do. So still yeah. in the school, still running it, the business with the, the sport and wellbeing programs schools in, in Victoria. Um, and obviously this OAC gig, which we'll get into, no doubt, in a, in a minute, um, is taking up a bit more of my time as we progress forward. Mate, it's, it's cool to see where, where this may lead. I mean, obviously it, it started a relationship with Amy. It rem- kind of reminds me a bit of Pat Hesse, you know, coaching, um, teaching history and coaching cross, you know, um, and meeting a young Dee Costello once upon a time. Well, it is. It's amazing how much talent you can see in our school system, um, it, not only in Victoria, but nationally across across all of our schools, both independent and public. Um, I suppose we get first first sight of, of these younger athletes as they're progressing and you can see them as they're coming into year seven and year eight and the early years of secondary school. Um, and those fortunate enough like Amy that are at a level where they get opportunities to go over to the US college system and and schools like Stanford um, and meet the criteria, the necessary criteria to do that is fantastic. But now with the added opportunities of these NILs, which is the sort of flavour of the month at the moment, um, athletes have that opportunity to get the college uh, education and that lifestyle and that experience, but also um, have the opportunity to work with pretty cool brands in the process. Amy, um, post your collegiate career, there's, you know, a few kind of queries um, that just kind of popped up in my head, but is there an expectation to kind of return to Australia and base yourself in Melbourne with a squad or once you leave college, is that all up for kind of a renegotiation? Is this simply just a relationship that has been started here with no kind of long-term obligations? Um, I guess we'll just have to like wait and see where it goes. Um, I'd love the opportunity to train and live back in Melbourne, like the place I call home. And I guess on and the OAC Oceana now provides that opportunity to do so. So yeah, it's very appealing in the future, but we'll see how I go over the next four years in college. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Craig, from your perspective, once obviously an NIL deal is completely different and, but let's talk about just athletes who are not in college there is obviously an expectation if, say, if someone's based in Sydney that they they base themselves then in Melbourne in order to be part of the the on program. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so let me dig into that a bit more for you, Sam, if yeah. if you like. And the OAC is a global movement. There's three teams. There's one here in, or sorry, the first team was in the US, obviously with Dathan Ritz and I, which is the the OAC global team based in Boulder, Colorado. 
There's the OAC European team, which is coached by Thomas over there, which is based in Berlin and in St. Moritz. Um, and then the third team is our Oceania team, which is based in Melbourne. Um, all of the teams operate independently. So they've all got their own coach. They've all got their own setup um, and infrastructure in terms of what they need. Um, and they all have their own team of athletes. Um, and they go off and do what they need to do when they need to do it. So the Oceania team stands on its own, albeit supported globally by ON. Um, and then if we need to go and network into the US group with Dathan and Boulder, Colorado, we can do that. Or in St. Moritz with Thomas, we can certainly do that and vice versa. If they want to come to Australia, they can access and utilize the facilities here and the resources we have. Um, but we are in essence three teams working together to be um, the best teams in the world, but we're left to our own devices to do that uh, and use the means that we see necessary to be able to achieve that with our own athletes. And that's cool. Hey, I heard I heard that maybe um, you guys rented a house and you have a house kind of for the athletes in um, in Melbourne now. Is that did I hear right? You you hear correct? Nice. Yes. Yeah, so, we, nice. so we've just taken a, uh, a property in Richmond, about four hundred meters from the gym, uh, an OAC house for the athletes. Obviously, and as Amy alluded to, moving back to Australia is something a lot of our athletes want to do, especially those that are in college that haven't necessarily had that opportunity in the past to be part of professional team here it's new to this region um, and one of the barriers to that being successful in my opinion was the cost of living in Australia and in Melbourne in particular so trying to give them those athletes that opportunity to come and base in Australia and purely be able to focus on running um, and everything they need to do in and outside of running to be the best they can be is really important and I think a stable home environment for them uh, is certainly one of that so we've just got that up and running we've now got all of the athletes we've got 10 and with Amy, 11 athletes now in the OAC Oceania group, uh, all living and training in Melbourne outside of Amy, obviously who's in Stanford. Um, but we want to encourage our athletes to come home. We think we've got the best environment here for them to, to take on the world. We've seen it done before uh, from an individual point of view in, in middle and long distance running. Now we think we can do it with the team and we've got the setup to do it. Man, this sounds like a big house. I want to know who gets dibs on oh, the They're not all in the one house. They're, yeah. they're... <laughs> Some have the opportunity to live separate. Like you, you can choose. Like you can go and live in your own apartment or whatever. So Morty, for example, lives with her fiance, and you know just up the road, and Tess with her partner around the corner, and Ben obviously with with his fiance as well. But those athletes coming back from college, um, obviously that they need somewhere to go, and renting a place on your own in Melbourne is very very expensive. So we've got three athletes in the house at the moment. We'll probably have four by the end of the year, and we'll keep it there. I mean, if we need a bigger house, we can do that, but. The dynamics Sam, of putting 10 athletes in one house for a long period of time doesn't always end well. So it's it's making sure that you get you know get all the pieces right and everyone is happy and content and the environment's suitable for all. Uh, who gets dibs on, say, like the biggest bedroom with an ensuite? Is that is that up for uh, you to select or funnily enough, it, it is in this, yeah. It can't leave it to natural selection because they'll kill each other. Um we Imogen, she's the only girl in the house at the moment. So she's got the big upstairs master bedroom with ensuite and the boys, the two boys, uh, Jesse and Ed, are downstairs in the smaller bedroom. So I think um, I think that one was quite easy to, to resolve. But if we do eventually move into another house, maybe we'll see what happens. We'll leave it to them and see who ends up in the uh, in the big master suite. Hey, Amy, I hear you've been in Colorado lately on a on a training camp with the On Squad. Uh, how are you finding sort of the group culture and training kind of compared to your your team at Stanford? 
Um, I guess I was in Colorado with the Stanford cross country oh, team. Oh, gotcha. I was misunderstood there. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, awesome. So it was like a preseason camp. Um, and yeah, it was an incredible group of athletes to become a part of. Um, they know how to have a lot of fun, but they also know when it's time to work hard. And yeah, it's been it was a nice balance between like the serious and competitive side of running, but also keeping it really lighthearted and fun. And so, how's your how are you enjoying college? I mean, I know you've got a long road ahead of you, but how has the initial kind of experience been? And you, are you kind of some, you know, some people get athletes get to college and they last three weeks and they, you know, get the first flight out of there back home and others just embrace it and just, and totally love it. Um, where do you see yourself kind of being, you know, I know it's early. Um, I guess I haven't really been able to settle in yet. We haven't started classes or anything. So I've sort of just been running and like, being a part of the team, I guess, going on camp and things like that. But from next week, I'm hoping I'll be able to settle into more of a routine with, yeah, class structure and more structured training and just everything starting up. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, Craig, most listeners, of course, know your background. Um, but for, for those that aren't up to speed in your recent movement, is on running now kind of um, you know, one of the major parts of your job, job. I know you've got this, you know, really growing coaching business, but it does on just slid in there and you kind of just manage, does this made you an incredibly busy man is what I'm getting at? Or is on now your kind of main focus? Um, yeah, I think everybody's busy in, in this lifestyle that we have now. Um, but I, I, we have our own. So my wife and I have our own business, Elite Wellbeing Enterprises. We run sport wellbeing programs for schools. And that's how I met guys like Amy and, and Claudia, who's another member of the team, we met through the school programs that we run. We put coaches into schools to facilitate those programs. Um, that's still a massive part of my day-to-day. -day. Um, I love that business. I love what we've set up and uh, and working with great people there. And, and obviously, it has a flow-on effect to being able to see and identify the next generation of talent as well. So it has, many in many respects, actually helps and assists with what we're doing uh, in terms of the growth of this OAC Oceania group. Uh, but the on connection started for me a couple of years ago um, when I was spoken to about whether or not there was an OAC Oceania group that I thought we could get up and going in our region. They identified our, our sort of location in Melbourne and the success we've had with our middle distance groups across the board here in Australia as an area of growth and opportunity. And uh, I agree with them. I thought that was certainly a, an area of scope to improve. And so we've set this up. It's taken a couple of years to get it to this point. Uh, it's taken a lot more time and energy than we probably thought it would in the beginning. As all good things do, though, they sort of uh, they consume you. Um, and it's certainly a big part of what I do every day. I'm in gym here in, in Melbourne, in Richmond, um, every day working with athletes. I mentioned earlier we've now got a full squad. So we've got 10 guys, uh, 10, 10 guys and girls, uh, a combination of both, um, that are training every day together in Melbourne. And I think in our school programs, we've got about 18,000 kids um, that that we facilitate programs for, but the 10 that are in the OAC take up more time than those 18,000 kids do across the school programs. So once you get into the high performance side of sport, you can't do it half-assed or half-baked. You have to be all in. So long-winded answer, we're, I'm all in, and this is certainly something that we're, we're wanting to grow and continue to build, not for the short term. This isn't something through to Paris. This is something that we've got investment through to Brisbane in 2032, which I think is pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Um, as kind of questions, but kind of both of you, but, uh, Amy, I presume, uh, the coaching roles, um, hundred percent will be left to JJ Clark at Stanford. Uh, and, you know, Craig, obviously 
it, with his vast knowledge, it will be too hard to have two coaches um, and, and JJ Clark would take care of it all. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Amy, like how, how much like on has had such success, like this Yared Nagoose who, you know, for those living under a rock, he posted a 343, you know, one of the fastest miles in history the other day behind Inga Britson, uh, at the pre-classic, um, it's not just Yarrow, though. There's, you know, obviously Ollie Hoare, who's won Com Games 1500 and is just, you know, posting some times that I'm sure even Craig has been looking at thinking, holy, holy crap, you know. Um, but then there's other guys too, George Beamish, Maud McDonald, and then there's the European squad as well. Um, how much, you know, has this success of the on squad over the last few years kind of influenced the decision? Obviously, there's a lot of successful athletes out there, but they do seem on a ratio of how many athletes they have compared to their success, they do seem to be kind of punching a little bit above their weight. Um, is that kind of the, your line of thinking as well? Yeah, I guess the athletes, athlete success was really appealing to me within the brand, but honestly, just like the brand in general was the main attraction. Um, it's on the newer side in the, the athletic world, but it's definitely asserting itself as a force to be reckoned with like on and off the track. Um, yeah, I really like the shoes and apparel, but I also really admire the efforts they're making to make a positive environmental impact. Awesome. Hey, Craig, like with all the success I just mentioned, like, you know, I can I can imagine just starting a new squad in Australia and just trying to to live up to some of these huge kind of um, results. Like, do you, is there a little bit of pressure felt by you to to kind of um, live up to some of this success or is it more just an excitement to be a part of something at the ground level? Oh, it's a, a bit of everything. I think I'm like excited to be um, involved from the ground level and getting this up and going in Australia in our region. Um, but I've known Dathan, who's the coach of the US team for many, many years. We competed against each other. We had some some good, some good competitions over the days um, and years gone past over various distances. So, you know, seeing what he's been able to do over there um, is fantastic. And obviously knowing his background and his history um, is also brilliant to know that he's been able to do this quite quickly with the US team. Um, but in some respects, that also adds quite a little bit, a bit of pressure and expectation as well. But I think just to be really clear um, with you guys and your listeners and for Amy as well and for anyone else out there, the, 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 de- the development of this group is the most important thing longer term. I mean, the US group with Dathan is, is the sort of metal group as such they're the the sort of big hitters if you like in terms of the performance side of the oac for the short term Um, and one of the things that was made really clear to me in the beginning was that this is something that's going to take time to build especially in australia um because we're a fair way removed from the rest of the world which has positives and negatives but this isn't a short-term solution we're looking for something longer term to build and that's why we're building relationships and bringing athletes like amy on our nil deals with the brand and with the OAC group down here because we see so many positives for what they're going to do for the sport longer term. Um, and that's the vision of this team. It's building a, a team of athletes that are going to develop over the next one, two, three, four, five, ten years between Paris, LA. Um, well, we we're going to have the Com Games in Melbourne, but we all know what happened there. Uh, and then obviously Brisbane in, in 2032. So we have no um, illusions that this is a long road. Absolutely. But we're going to have athletes that make teams and have success in the short term, but ultimately it's about building a team and an environment that has long-term sustainable growth and development and ultimately achieving medals in the, you know, in the next five to 10 years. 
Awesome. Thing obviously from a competition point of view, you know, like if you look at the the road that you kind of travel down as as an eighteen year old, nineteen year old sort of thing, and and just having a second option or a third option or however you want to you want to argue it now for for Australia's elite middle distance runners, right? And just having that competition where people can choose and select, you know, those really top top tier athletes is what I'm getting at. It's it's got to be a good thing, right, in the long term. It does absolutely, and I and I know when I took this role on a couple of years ago that it would be met with some resistance in Australia. That's just part of of the politics of Australian athletics, and unless you're in it, it's hard to to appreciate and understand it. But I, in my honest opinion, I think the sport really needs it, in particular in the middle distance space. I think it's necessary. I think it's healthy, uh, and I view it this way: in that whatever the OAC is doing in Australia and, and around the world is beneficial for everybody and other brands as well and other athletes that are working with other brands because they see what we're doing and they may not like it in the short term, but ultimately what it does is drive more interest, more investment and more money in the sport across the board. So you can already see the impact the OAC has had in our region um, with On and with the On House and with the facilities we have in, in Melbourne. Other brands are starting to be more aggressive in trying to follow trend with that. And if that's not good for everyone, I don't know what else is. So really, I think the positive side of this for the athletes that are part of the team is phenomenal because they get an amazing opportunity. But also for athletics as a whole, it's only going to bring more interest and excitement and ultimately money and support into our sport, which is what we need. 100%. Totally. Um, Amy, have you had a chance to get to campus yet and check out the facilities or is it very much still? Yeah, you have? Yeah, so... I've been using them for the past week. Um, I've moved into my dorm and, yeah, I've been able to use, like, the weights room, the locker room, and then the training facilities on campus. Um, they're pretty incredible for a university and, yeah. I'm bit, of a step to... up, bit of a step up to kind of what you're used to. Definitely, yes. How good is that? And is this like – and I, I presume, like, there's a lot of support, you know, from, you know, everything from massage therapists to access to physios if you have a niggle and – it's all kind of there for you, hey? Definitely, yes. There's access to many things. <laughs> and so cool. Okay, that, that brings my mind back to, to this house, Craig. And I'm just thinking, in my head, I have this picture of a house with like altitude tents in every room and um, an Ultra G, you know, those anti-gravity treadmills in one of the rooms. And how accurate am I here? You know, is it, are you, is it decked out with all the stuff that these guys need and kind of high-end tech stuff that most athletes never get access to? Well, I'll, this... I'll say this much. There's there's cups, plates, knives and forks, a couch, a TV, and a couple of beds. So, yeah, they got everything they need, Sam. they got everything they need. <laughs> there's, no magic, there's no magic pill in all of this sort of stuff. I actually had meetings with athletes this morning about this exact thing. Um, yes, we do have an altitude tent, but it's not in the house. It's it's one that sort of goes between athletes as, as required. Um, we don't have an Alter G. I'm not sure on on that investment in terms of uh, money well spent there, but we have access to one at a physio clinic nearby if we need it. Um, we have a team physio that works out of the gym space. I'm in, in my office here at the moment um, within the gym um, who treats three days a week. They have everything they need. Um, and in reality, they only need a good attitude and a good environment. That's it. And, and the training, yes, the training has to be right, but there's not one thing that's going to make them great. It's the combination of lots of things and their desire and, and will to go deeper than anyone else. Um, awesome. And we were actually talking about it today re with regards to times and how fast everyone's running and technology and lights and all of those various bits and pieces. 
I think the main the main reason people are running fast is they've taken this block out of their mind now around what's what's good times, what's expected and what's not, and they're just running. They're just running hard and they're training smart and their natural progression and um, an evolution of our sport is is happening in front of us, which is the last few years in particular, it, it, the sport's gone mad from that point of view, um, both men and women. I mean, we had a, a, a lady nearly break 14 minutes for 5K on, on the weekend in, in the US. Like, that's terrifying. Well, yeah. not terrifying. It's, it's exciting, really, <laughs> in terms of how how fast people are now running. So what what have we got to do to improve that? Is it train harder? Probably not. It's it's the psychology, in my opinion, around what, what you can and can't do and what... what um, what our athletes are able to achieve. Totally. And Craig, I'm going to have to get you on the podcast another time because I've got, I could legit talk to you for an hour or two, just a hundred percent about training. And I'd love to do that at some time, but today's not that, that day, but. That, that worries me. <laughs> no. So you cut no, out we'll there. Find another time. Yeah. I said, that's what terrifies me, Sam. <laughs> you and I, we got on a podcast, we'd be on there all day. So I think uh, we'll find yeah, a yeah. time We'll we'll find another time for that because I would just love to, there's some stuff I would just love to pick your brain on uh, for everyone to hear and just, and just get your, the way your brain, you know, wraps its head around um, certain things. Uh, Craig, one, one more question. We're going to get out of here soon. You know, I'm going over my time limit, I think, but um, how are athletes targeted? You know, I think we've kind of already covered it in the sense that, you know, you've got relationships with most of these athletes that go back years and you kind of already have pre-existing relationships. So I think you're probably not actually reaching out, but let's take uh, another athlete, for example, Zach Bastioni. Like, are you reaching out to their coaches or to them or, you know, just interested in how all that kind of works? Yeah, it's a bit of everything, to be honest. I mean, those athletes that are in the college system in the US, um, we're touching base with. So I'm communicating with quite a few at the moment that are, that are in the US system that we would love to have as part of the team in the next one or two or three years, depending on when they're finishing up. Um, but as in Zach's case, I reached out to him last year um, and had a chat with him about what his intentions were when he finished up in the US. Um, he was working with Sean Whip, who's an agent based in, in Melbourne, who I know really well. He works with Ben Buckingham as well, Sean Whip. So it was a combination of, of chats between Zach, myself, Sean Whip, and then also Zach's coach over in the US. And just understanding what type of training he was doing, what upside he has, um, whether he A, wants to come back to Australia, is that something he wants to do? But ultimately, um, it's communication between multiple channels and then the, the seed is planted and then I leave it with them. Because if you're going to come back to Australia and take that leap of faith, they've got to really want to do it. Um, and if I'm pushing them and pushing them and pushing them, it doesn't always work well in the long run. They've got to really make that call themselves. So... I think what will happen now, Sam, moving forward, or what I hope happens now moving forward is the team is up and running. We've got 10 athletes in the group. Ultimately, we become a desirable group to want to be uh, associated with and train with that athletes will start reaching out more and more. Um, we've got a pipeline of talent that we're, we're currently communicating with in, in the US and in Europe um, and obviously here in Australia as well. The initial vision was to have Australian athletes or Oceania athletes, Australian and New Zealand athletes fill the team. We've got that now. Uh, and now, you know, we're open to conversations with other athletes from various parts of the world as well now over the next one, two, three years and potentially bring in some internationals also to help bolster the stocks. Awesome, awesome. Um, hey, Amy, you mentioned before that your parents are in town. Um, I was thinking, you know, when I was your age, if I moved to the States, I reckon my dad would have been there, you know, making sure I wasn't eating like blocks of cheese for kind of breakfast, you know, lunch and dinner. How long are your parents hanging around for? Are they, are they heading off soon or um, 
are they, you know, are they staying put for a while? Um, they're going to be here for about two weeks and then I'm sure they'll be back <laughs> over the next few years plenty. They seem to like it here a lot. <laughs> nice. Also, it must be nice just to help have them around at the start just to get settled and have a bit of feeling of home, you know, at that start. It can be hard, hey, just suddenly going from home to, you know, to, to a dorm and meeting, you know, it's, it's a lot of change. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Awesome. Craig, Amy, it's been really enjoyable chatting. I've certainly learned a lot and, and had and had a good time. And Amy, I just wanted to wish you all the best. Uh, you've got a big road ahead of you and um, I hope you have fun more than anything and, and get a lot out of it from a personal level and, and develop as, you know, on a personal front, not just about the times and, and the racing, you know. Um, all the best for it. Thank you so much. Cheers. Craig, mate, I'm going to, we'll catch up again soon. Can't wait to, to, to dive deep into some double threshold talk with you. <laughs> Righto, Sam. I look forward to it. Amy, hey, well, I've got you online. Good luck. Have some fun, mate. And we'll keep in touch, obviously, on the weekly. And we look forward to watching you progress over the next uh, little while over there. Thank you.